turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, you may have heard of ESG. What is ESG? Environmental Social Governance. Uh, the Greta Thunberg types out there in the world uh, believe that we need to have a social conscience when it comes to living our lives and that our retirement accounts should reflect this, right? We're going to talk retirement today with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. The Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show will air tonight at 7, tomorrow at noon. My guess is we'll talk a fair amount about the banking crisis that's going on. I won't expect the conversation to uh, traverse into environmental social governance. Uh, because if you have an investment, you would like for your investment to do what? Grow, right? You're not necessarily looking for your investment to make a social statement. Now, of course, there are some things that I would never invest in. I wouldn't invest in anything that would uh, be uh, pro-abortion. But uh, in terms of whether or not a fossil fuel company might uh, make some little microorganism that I never heard of, might compromise their ability to exist in a stream somewhere in Montana if they drill for oil, uh, that would rank far down my list of priorities. But it's way up there on some people's lists of priorities. And guess who's writing to the rescue on it, trying to save retirement accounts from being filtered through uh, the prism of, is this good for the environment or is it not? None other than, I hope, future president of the United States, Ron DeSantis. Yes, Ron DeSantis has filed a lawsuit and he has governors from 18, well, from 17 other states joining him to keep companies from using the standard of environmental social governance to apply to retirement savings accounts for hardworking Americans. Now, I would love to tell you that Ohio is on this list of 18 Republican states fighting environmental social governance, but I'm looking at the list right here. And there are three states that start with A. There's Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana. Oh, we're getting close to the O's. Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota. No, we're not in there. Hmm. Now, this is uh, sadly not a surprise to me because Mike DeWine might cause somebody to show up at the statehouse and pick it his position on this, if in fact he joined it, because as you know, the environmentalists are nut jobs and wackos and completely detached from reality. They would rather mine cobalt from the earth and mess up the delicate balance in our environment and God's creation in order to print, uh, in order to make, produce an electric car battery that is presumably environmentally friendly, but will be 
recharged by electricity created by what? Coal and fossil fuels. Or created by wind and solar, which are not nearly as efficient, not nearly as sustainable. And oh, by the way, what do you do with those solar panels and those wind turbines when they wear out? I've heard that the batteries for cars are not necessarily recyclable yet, too. Alan, we will get to that problem when we have time. Democrats are only, they are the epitome of uh, an inch deep and a mile wide. They don't calculate (laughs) any kind of long-term consequences of their actions. So this is kind of curious to me that I looked this up. I looked this ESG thing up, and I looked up who's fighting it. And one of the organizations that's fighting it is the National Association of Attorneys General. And I thought, well, okay, maybe Dave Yost has filed a lawsuit against them because I think Dave Yost does a lot of good things as Attorney General of the State of Ohio. I'm in favor of the uh, lawsuit that he filed against Norfolk Southern. It's a way to force them to the table to settle because there's no way Norfolk Southern wants their books subjected to discovery in a case in court that would uh, be adjudicated here in the state of Ohio because the East Palestine victims of that train crash are very sympathetic. And I think a judge, a jury would come down hard on Norfolk Southern. So I think Dave Yost does a lot of good things. I was surprised to find out there are state attorney generals who have filed suit regarding ESG matters. And Dave Yost is the president of the National Association of Attorneys General. But as yet, I have not been able to find an Ohio legal action around this matter. Maybe they're getting to it. I'm sure they're supportive of it, but I have not as yet been able to find any verification that Ohio is doing that very thing. This is why the fact that DeSantis is doing this, the fact that DeSantis is getting 17 other Republican governors to join him, this is further demonstration to me of why I think Ron DeSantis would make an effective president is because you not only have to be a pit bull, you have to be a pit bull who can target and get things done. Here is Ron DeSantis yesterday speaking with Glenn Beck. Now, Glenn Beck is railing about lockdown orders that we said yesterday were enacted three years ago yesterday. And Beck is complaining that in Texas, they still have not taken off, even though they're not really subjected to it anymore, the emergency lockdown measures that were enacted during the pandemic. And he's like, why can't we get rid of this? Why can't we get rid of these emergency lockdown measures? Listen to Ron DeSantis talk about how he used the emergency lockdown measures in Florida, which you would think are liberal, left-leaning, woke, ways to keep you inside, force you to wear masks, force you to get a vaccine, force you to get a booster— That's what we presume emergency lockdown orders are, right? Ron DeSantis is targeted and tactical in that he explains here how he used emergency lockdown orders to get things done that he could not have gotten done otherwise. In other words, the man knows how to use power when it is given to him, even if it is given to him under the guise by liberals, that it will restrict your freedom. The Freedom Caucus yesterday. When are we going to get out of this? And actually, what we did, so we did the state of emergency for about a year. The only reason I kept it is because 
the I used the state of emergency to force the schools open. So I had to get through that first school year to ensure that all schools in Florida would be open. I probably would not have been able to do that absent that the state of emergency. Mm. So that was our leverage because I, I, I can control money. Basically, state of emergency allows you to move money around a little mm. bit more. So we did that. It also allowed me to overrule local governments, particularly some of the liberal governments, and say, you're not going to be penalizing people for masks, no business closures. We, we set that down, and I needed the state of emergency mm-hmm. to do that. Then the legislature came in the next spring, and we made these, these protections permanent. And we actually – I asked them. I said, do a bill – to rein in the governor's executive emergency powers and to rein in local governments. And so Florida actually has constricted the powers. You know, one of the crazy things. There you go. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. You use the power they give you because, again, what did I say? Democrats never think through the consequences of what they're doing. It's like, oh, um, Greta Thunberg says the environment is terrible. Okay, Uh, we got to have solar cars and wind-powered cars. And every investment you make in retirement has to be filtered through some environmental prism. So now we have a pandemic. So we just shut everything down, close every business. Well, maybe because they don't think things through to a detailed degree, somebody who is tactical and targeted, an effective politician, can take that power and turn it around and use it against them. That is what I like about Ron DeSantis. I hear all of you every single time I talk about Ron DeSantis and every single, time, every single time I talk about Donald Trump and how he's way too focused on himself and litigating the 2020 election over again, and I hate his mantra that he unveiled the other day. He thought this would make him a lot of friends, and I'm, sadly it did make him a lot of friends. I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Man, if you're not uncomfortable with that, how would you like it if Joe Biden said, I am your retribution? Would you like that? You would hate that because that's the way he's governing, right? Why do you not hate it when Trump does it? Well, because he's going to take care of me. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. It's going to be a matter of time before the person who you think is taking care of you will use it against you. That's the fallacy of a lot of these liberals. They think, oh, Joe Biden's got my back. Yeah, he'll have your back with a knife in his hand at some point in time. So I like a guy, DeSantis, who not only knows how to use power to get things done, but then did what? Said, okay, now that we've got power in the state of Florida... I want you to make it so that the person after me can't have this kind of power and can't use it again. That's somebody who understands true freedom, liberty, small government. That I like. Well, there was some pretty explosive testimony on Capitol Hill yesterday. The major networks won't cover it, so we'll take you through it. Uh We've got a banking crisis in our country. We've got a banking crisis because uh, the Biden administration screwed up in jumping in to save Silicon Valley Bank. Why? Because they got a lot of big donors from Silicon Valley Bank who the Biden administration didn't want to see lose their investments. And the Biden administration positioned it as, oh, if we allow a run on this bank, there'll be runs on other banks. Maybe, maybe. But the fact of the matter is you change the rules in midstream to protect a bunch of Silicon Valley fat cats. It looks a little suspicious. So uh, Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma asked Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, okay, if you're going to come in, you're going to stopgap Silicon Valley Bank in California, and you're going to stopgap Signature Bank in New York. Are you going to have the backs of small community banks in my home state of Oklahoma? Will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, 
being fully insured now? Are they fully recovered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got? A bank only gets that treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. Well, they're not hiding it. They're just going to play favorites. The majority of the FDIC board, the majority of the Federal Reserve Board, and Janet Yellen, in consultation with the President of the United States, decides, oh, if this bank fails, I mean, if Silicon Valley Bank fails, if Signature Bank fails, we could have a run on banks. Oh, if Bruce Hooley Conservative Republican Bank fails, you know, I really don't see any long-term damaging issues with that bank failing. By the way, I pulled my money out this morning of your bank. So. Wow. <laughs> That's an incredible statement that she just made. Uh, zoom right over people's heads. So James Lankford wanted to know, well, gee, now that we know that you're picking and choosing winners, how do we stop people from taking their money out of small community banks? Because they know you're not going to protect them if they're in red states and putting them in big banks. So what is your plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also um, no, it, it, fail. No, it's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is. If you're in a big bank, you're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, you're not fully insured. and You, you big, were at Signature, the, and the it, big, was, it just barely met that threshold. You were at Signature. Well, we felt that there was a serious risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks. Um, and that's something, given that our judgment is that the banking system overall is safe and sound, um, depositors should have confidence in the system. Don't you have confidence? Doesn't she sound confident? I mean, the ineptitude, first of all, he catches her unaware of how bad her first answer sounded. So she doesn't have a convincing denial or, you know, explanation for why they essentially have put in place a policy that does encourage depositors to take their money out of small community banks if they fear, oh, gee, this bank doesn't treasure environmental social governance this bank doesn't do videos celebrating wokeness have you seen some of the videos that the bank people were doing at signature bank and 
Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, it's not a surprise to me those banks failed because they weren't doing any banking. I mean, this is this is so incredibly <laughs> nefarious, so incredibly transparently awful that they are picking. Ah, we don't like those depositors. We don't like that state. We don't like who owns that bank. Now we're not going to save that bank. This bank? Oh, gee, look who their donors are. Who did they give to? Oh, okay. Wait, we don't want our friends to lose millions of dollars. We don't want our friends to lose even a dollar. So we're going to jump in there and we're going to backstop that bank. That is incredible. First of all, they do it. Second of all, they'd admit it. Third of all, that they would have no... I mean, this is an administration, remember, that has no problem concocting a lie, however fanciful their lie is. They don't even care if their lies are believable. Oh, we're bringing down energy costs. Electricity's up 12%. Fuel oil is up 14%. We're bringing down energy costs. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not even close. But it doesn't stop you from saying it. But in this situation, we're going to admit on the record in front of a U.S. senator Yeah, we pick and choose which banks we want to succeed. Yeah, we got a special committee. Me, the president, our FDIC, and our Federal Reserve cronies. And then when he says, well, you know, what are you going to do about people pulling their stuff out of banks to put them in banks where they think you're going to smile upon them if they fail? And she goes, well, you know, we, we we don't recommend they do that. But yeah, they're doing it. Sure, they're doing it. Okay. One more. From James Langford to Janet Yellen, who every time she opens her mouth exposes herself as completely inept. So there's a special assessment that's been done on community banks in my state and all banks across the country. Was there any discussion that that special assessment would only apply to the larger banks or was it always assumed the special assessment would cover every bank, including rural banks in my state? Um, I I think I I'm not certain what the rules are around that. Huh? Um, that that's for the FDIC to determine. <laughs> so the way they're going to pay, quote unquote, pay for this bank bailout that they say the taxpayers won't have any role in, even though you know you're going to pay for it with increased banking fees, they devise a way to hide the fact that taxpayers are paying for it. And she goes, yeah, I don't really know how the system works. Like, you're the Treasury Secretary. Is that a meeting you maybe should have taken? Maybe you should have taken that meeting, Janet Yellen, instead of getting a pedicure or who knows what you were doing. Like, you're too busy to go to that meeting? Hey, we got to come up with a system here. I mean, if you're going to concoct some kind of plan like this, she can't be troubled to go and attend to find out or she's incapable of retaining how it works? This is, I mean, boy, the phrase, say the quiet part out loud, she's screaming the quiet part out loud. They don't care about equal protection. They don't. They are making it eminently clear. They do not care about it. Jack Windsor, Ohio Press Network, next on The Virtually Show.